So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure your photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast where we teach you how to grow your photography business if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog posts check out sixfigurephotography.com now here's your host ben hartley Podcast listeners, welcome to the Six Figure Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Hartley. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening while you're running, while you're walking the dog, while you're driving to or from the office. I'm not sure which it may be. Maybe you're just hanging out in the kitchen. I'm glad you're here. Uh, Look, the entire purpose of this podcast is to help you grow your business. I really just try to give as much as we possibly can by bringing on amazing guests, entrepreneurs, business owners, creatives, other successful entrepreneurs. And so uh, we're really excited to do that today. Before we dive into today's episode, can I put something out there into the universe? I'm really trying to be so much more active on creating amazing content for you guys, not just on the podcast. And I want to invite you guys uh, to take a look. Look, we've been working really hard on our YouTube channel, producing weekly videos every single week, multiple videos a week. Uh, one of them being a big kind of behind the scenes video, a vlog, you guys, of what takes place at the Style and Story Creative Studio here. We're a full-time wedding photographers, got five full-time photographers as well as uh, what takes place running uh, the podcast, Six Figure Photography. And so we have a vlog, a BTS vlog called Ben Hartley IRL in real life. And I want to invite you guys to head over to YouTube, to subscribe, to ring the little bell, and do me a favor and and leave a comment. You guys don't understand how much a comment means to me. I'm going to read it, I'm going to reply, and I'm going to be smiling the rest of the day. So please go check out uh, my YouTube channel at Six Figure Photography. Let me know what's up. All right, you guys, on today's episode, episode, we've got something that we all need, and that is legal advice. We have, an, and look, this episode isn't direct legal advice. I think I have to say that legally. Is that is that the right thing, Annette? Look, we have Annette Stepanian. Annette is an attorney and business strategist who equips creative professionals, small business owners like you, with the legal and business knowledge needed to confidently start and grow your business. The cool thing about Annette is that she strives to make this all like practical, you guys, approachable, dare I even say fun, maybe a little fun. You guys, we've got Annette on the show. Let's hop right in and talk with her. 
Annette Stepanian, welcome to the Six Figure Photography Podcast. How are you? I am fantastic, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I love this. I get really excited when I get to have another uh, podcast host on, right? Somebody else who's like the familiar with the space, the world. Uh, you've got the voice, Annette. I know you do. I hear it. Yeah. Um, so this is super fun. Uh, I, and so where are you? where are you calling from? Where are you at? Right now, I am in the Bay Area. Um, I, this is where I live. Um, and more specifically, I am in a closet. <laughs> that, <laughs> you may need to explain that to the viewers who don't quite understand yeah. the audio tech side of things. Yeah. So we just moved and my office has like this cool closet space. And so I've kind of turned it into a podcasting studio to hopefully, like you said, you know, as a podcaster, you you, you become very sensitive to noise. Um, so I'm hoping the sound quality is better in here. I'm still working at, working out the kinks, but I am in my closet right now, in my office closet. Or um, AKA my podcasting studio. <laughs> the po- yeah. See, that's the thing. Everybody thinks it's all romanticized. Like even myself, you know, I'm like, oh, I've, I'll be at the, uh, I'm going to be at the studio. Right. Or, you know, everyone I think has this idea of what my recording studio looks like. Um, and it's, yeah, nine times out of 10, it's, it's just a closet. The kids are screaming downstairs. Um, yeah. I'm getting texts from my wife. Bring home, you know, bring home chicken. I need yeah. chicken. Don't forget the chicken. I'm it like, was- I'm in a podcast, babe. It was so funny. I was catching some um, Creative Live um, uh, classes, and I forget the guy's name, but he's like a big podcaster, like NPR or whatever. And so he was talking about how uh, he played a clip, and he goes, can you imagine where I was recording it? He was recording it under a blanket in his bed. (laughs) And you think, oh my goodness, you know, here's like a big, big podcaster, and even he has to has to experiment a little bit and put himself in a kind of interesting situations to get that good audio quality. Yep. It's real. It's so real. Annette, let's jump right in because I, I've been stewing over here on like, what, how should I introduce you as, what should I call you? But I feel like anything that I do might be a disservice or might even pigeonhole you, right? Especially anytime we start talking about things, industries outside of photography, I start to lose my grasp a little bit on like, where, where do you peg it? So how would you introduce yourself, you know, to the photography community? What would you describe or how would you describe what you do? That's a great question. Um, you know, I really, I call myself your legal BFF because I am an attorney and a lawyer um, by trade and experience, um, but I have a lot of experience working with creatives and entrepreneurs and small business owners. And really my goal is to equip people with the education and the knowledge they need to really legally protect and also grow their business in a way um, that, you know, it's your business baby, right? So I'm really there to kind of be your BFF through this process of, of what's can be very intimidating and overwhelming for folks. It is very intimidating and it is very overwhelming. It doesn't just feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. That's why. Help us. Yeah. <laughs> we, need, we need people like you and so bad. So how did you start getting involved with working with creatives? Yeah, it's it's kind of a fun story. I mean, I'll, I'll take it back a, a few years. Uh, I was, you know, I'd graduated law school. I landed my dream job here in San Francisco. Um, and it was a great job. I was living the legal dream, you know, I was living in a great neighborhood, had this great job and everything. But progressively, I just was not happy in the job I was in. I just I didn't see a future in it for me. You know, I didn't I didn't want to become partner. And so progressively, I was like, you know, I, I need to I need to 
figure something out because it's like the golden handcuffs. After a while, you get so used to, you know, the big fancy paycheck and all that stuff. And it's hard to leave. Um, And I'm sure, you know, a lot of folks in your audience, they're trying to make that transition from like a traditional corporate job and they want to do something more creative and different. So I get that. I've, I've been there. And so what I did is I took a complete leap of faith. I had no plans. I literally just, I quit, um, took some time off. And then I, I really wanted to do something completely different, complete 180. I had neglected this creative side of me that I'd had, you know, growing up all through my life, you know, before law school kind of started dabbling into different things and decided, you know, I want to start my own business. Uh, I'm going to do jewelry, (laughs) had no business plan, had no, just nothing. It was just pure passion and just this need to learn something different. Um, and to also deliver joy to people, you know, uh, that's what I, I love about creative industries is that you're using your skills, your talent, your artistic, uh, you know, judgment to create something that is going to deliver joy. And that's how I viewed jewelry. So started dabbling into that, started kind of learning everything, right? How to run a business. You're wearing so many different hats. And in that process, I started working with a lot of creatives. I started getting introduced to a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, whether we were collaborating on a, you know, photo shoot, a lookbook, whatnot. And you know, they would send me their contracts. And I was like, this, you know, is not good. (laughs) More for them, you know, like, it it just didn't have the right terms and things like that. So people started coming to me for that kind of advice. And so over time, I just saw that there was an opportunity here for me to bridge this legal, the legal knowledge I had, the skills I had with a a community uh, that needed it. And that I I felt like I understood. So that's how this all evolved. Um, That's what I do today. Um, I decided to close down the jewelry side of the business just because it was just too much to do both properly. And yeah, that's what I do. I started just working with, with folks in the creative in, in the creative space and trying to educate them and kind of just make this law super simple, <laughs> give them what they really need to know um, so that they could, like I said, grow their businesses. Yeah, for sure. How often does this change too, by the way? Like, like for example, uh, tax bill that, you know, just passed, came out and, you know, that changes all the tax kind of stuff. So then how much of your world then has to kind of get reevaluated and reshaped and, and revisited? Yeah, I, that's a great question. I mean, as a lawyer, you're constantly, you not only have an obligation um, with the state bar, but you're constantly, you know, it's called continuing education. Like for most of you guys, right? You guys are here because you're trying to learn and improve yourself. And it's the same, you know, as things change, the law traditionally is pretty slow to change um, because a lot of things get decided through the courts. Um, So you're always educating yourself, but something like this tax bill that's so drastic um, doesn't happen all too often. (laughs) Um, And you know, the concepts that I'm working folks on, folk, I'm working with folks on are kind of um, like the nuts and bolts, you know, and the nuances, obviously, um, that you deal with on a case by case basis. But the stuff that I teach upon are kind of, I want you guys to have that basic foundation um, to understand what copyrights are to understand what trademarks are, what does it mean when you take a, a photograph for a client, like, who owns that photo and things like that. Um, It's just like the basic kind of foundational stuff so that when you are ready to go talk to a lawyer, you can have a a conversation with them. You speak their language um, and you don't feel like, you know, just completely confused and um, vulnerable because you don't know what they're talking about. 
For sure. So this kind of actually goes into my my next question that I was about to ask, and it sounds like maybe you already kind of answered it there. Like, how much of what you do do you work with, you know, copyright ownership uh, in regards to photographs, or is it more? Um, I don't know what the exact terminology would be, like client relationships, you know, uh, vendor to client kind of mitigation stuff. I'm just, I just said yeah. the word mitigation. I don't even know what that word means. And I, <laughs> your very present in the podcast made me say, I'm just like, that's the word. It sounds good. No, um, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. How much are you dealing with copyright? And then how much are you dealing with actual, like, uh, I, I'm, what, what is the word when you're talking more like client to, you know, you and just all the like, in it. like people suing each other or, well, or just making your butts covered with everything else. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I like to kind of, uh, you know, the law is one of those things, and I don't blame folks. You know, you don't want to think about it until you really need it, right? Until you get sued or someone sells you, sends you a cease and desist letter. That's when you're like, oh, you know, I need to go talk to a lawyer. My goal, and I get that. It's just human nature, right? Um, but my goal and what I get really excited about is working with people from, you know, before the problem gets there, right? So how do we set things up, um, be proactive about things, you know, um, what do we have to have in place, whether it's contracts, what language do we have to have in our contracts, trying to anticipate some of those uh, risks and those roadblocks and things so that we're, we're setting ourselves up for success. So, I would ideally like to say everybody is in that situation when they come to me, um, but most people aren't. Most it's like, you know, I've gotten a client, had a really bad client experience. Um, I want to relook at my contract and let's draft something. Um, so it's of, of that nature. Some some folks are pretty gung-ho from day one. You know, before they've started their business, they want to do all their research. They want to do it right from day one. So it really depends on where people's head is at. Um, but my the stuff that I love to do is just let's get in there. Let's roll up our sleeves from as, as early on before a problem happens. And let's, let's try and put in the safeguards to protect yourself and also to protect your clients um, as well. So you're, you're entering into a, hopefully a mutually beneficial relationship when you're working with folks. For sure. So uh, what are your, what are some of the biggest, uh, and I know this is broad, but do your best, biggest kind of pitfalls that you see, that you notice in the industry? You know, you, you're starting to work with more and more photographers, certainly within the wedding industry. Um, what are some of the, like, the common, like, pitfalls you're like, oh, got another one of these? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of people don't have contracts. Um, you know, that's one thing, you know, they, I think a lot of photographers, you know, they start off, they don't just declare one day I'm going to be a photographer, right? They're, they're maybe doing something else. They pick up a camera off of Craigslist or something. They start playing around and they see, Oh, I really like this. Maybe I can make a living. you know, so it starts off for what I believe or the folks I've come across that it was, it was, it was a, is a, um, a hobby that kind of turned into a business or had that potential to turn into a business. And so they start off not thinking like a business owner. So they don't have those contracts in place, right? They go to aunt Sally's, you know, birthday and they take some pictures, you know, to practice and hone in on their craft. Um, but when you are starting to think, okay, this could have, this is more than just a hobby for me. This is a business. You really not need to a, have a contract. Um, People are savvy enough that most of them can, you know, get a contract in place, but then does it have the right things in the contract um, in terms of your relationship? Um, what are, 
what are your services? What's going to happen if somebody doesn't pay? All those things, right? Like, are you addressing the right issues in your contract? And then with, you know, nowadays with the internet being what it is, a lot of folks have access to other people's work, um, reposting it, taking it as their own. So the whole copyright topic is also a really big issue that I encourage um, photographers to really be aware of and understand. So they understand their rights. They understand how that works. Um, So those are kind of, if I had to say high level, it's not having a contract, making sure your contract has the right terms in it. Um, and also that you understand your contract. Sometimes it has the right terms, but people don't even understand what it means. So when a client comes to you and questions something, you know, they can't even answer it. Right. Um, and then, um, just really understanding copyrights. What are the nuances there? What are your rights as a content creator? Um, and, um, what are the rights of your client and things of that nature? So those are kind of really high level topics. For sure. So something that I see happen eh, a decent amount, um, it, you know, I'm in a lot of different groups, a lot of different photography groups, and I'll see someone pop in and say, Hey, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to shoot a senior. Does anybody have a, a senior photography, uh, contract that I could use, uh, for this session coming up? Um, I, so I see a lot of the kind of like contract swapping going on and I know nothing, right? So like, what are the, is that, is that okay? Is does your contract have to be written up? by a lawyer? Uh, is there a right way to go about acquiring one? Is there a wrong way? Is that, is that illegal? Like what are the risks ramifications for kind of like contract sharing? That's a really great question. Um, so there's no rule that says a lawyer has to draft a contract for you, right? There's no law. (laughs) Um, is it better? Probably because a lawyer knows again, can anticipate the issues. Um, they know the laws, they know how it works. And you know, I think of law and contract drafting like an art form. Um, there's a reason why certain words are in there. And there's a reason why certain phrases are phrased the way they are. Uh, and so it's not something, there's more of an art to it than most people think. Um, contract swapping, I know people do it. I get it. Is it the best practice? No. Is it better than not having a contract? Yeah, probably, you know. <laughs> but sure. I mean, if you're going to contract swap, the, the risks there is a, you don't know who wrote it right? You don't know, has this been written by a lawyer? Um, You don't know, um, does this apply to your circumstances, to your state, to the rules in your area, whatever? Um, You don't have all those things. Um, And also one of the things I see is with people, anybody who's starting a business is, look, we don't know what we don't know. And so what we do is we start looking over people's shoulders. We're like, well, you know, Joe is doing it this way. So maybe that's the standard, you know? Um, And so, Sometimes there are mistakes in that other person's contract that you carry with you, but there's also limited thinking and um, like a limited mindset sometimes. And a great example is, you know, I work with a lot of wedding planners. What a lot of wedding planners do is when they structure their fees, they take a, a like a payment upfront, you know, maybe 50%, and then t- they take another 50% after b- the event or before the event. There's nothing wrong with that, right? And that's what most people in the industry seem to be doing, especially when you're pulling everybody's contracts and you're like, well, everybody, the five contracts I'm looking at, that's how they've structured their payments. But maybe that structure doesn't work for you because you're running the risk that if you're spreading out payments um, for, you know, usually it takes about a year to plan a wedding, let's say. 
you're spreading them out that far, you're running the risk that you're going to do all this work and not get paid for it at the end if the event gets canceled, if, you know, um, a couple breaks up and whatnot. And so what I, my, my example here is when you look at too, you look over too many people's shoulders and copy what they're doing. Sometimes what you also do is you also inherently copy their business practices, which may not work for you as, you know, as a business owner. So you really have to think about what are my policies? What are my procedures? How do I want to structure my business? Um, and then have that reflected in your contract. Does that make sense? Totally does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. yeah. How often, you know, as someone who's, uh, you know, steeped in law, how often do you, like, I, I think I, uh, I feel this sometimes. Let me kind of set the stage here. And then, and then I'm kind of curious where you fall into this category. Um, where like, Let's say something does happen. Maybe the wedding does get canceled and in your contract, you know, it's the, the retainer is non-refundable. Let's say the client in this example is going to lose a thousand dollars, right? But maybe they cancel it like nine months before and they ask for it back. And so, you know, obviously as a business owner, you have the right to choose to do that if you want to, um, or not. I, I'm, I'm just kind of curious do you have any like advice on those type of decisions? I guess they're almost more like heart decisions or, or, you know, like those type of things. I just feel like so often that, you know, as artists and creatives and we're in a service industry and it's so personal, we often, you know, we do feel so close to our clients that when instances happen like this, um, we never do want to kind of point to the contractor or point to the wall and say like, this is how it is. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a really great question. And like you hinted at, it is a very personal decision. I can't say you should always do it this way. Uh, The contract is there to protect you, right? So the contract is there. And that's what you two have agreed to that if, for instance, you know, they do cancel nine months before the wedding, that deposit or retainer or initial payment, whatever is non-refundable. So you do have that in your back pocket. And you could say you could, if you wanted to point and say, hey, you know, I'm sorry, I can't return this, whatever, $1,000 you put down. Um, But you also have to realize that running a business is not an exact science and you have to weigh the risk. So is by me, like, what am I losing by returning, right? The $1,000? Have I, you know, spent money on getting, um, you know, second shooters? Or have I purchased some, I don't know, certain equipment for this specific event, you know, that they had requested. I don't know, maybe they wanted aerial shots. So you want, you bought a drone or something. I don't know. Um, Am I losing anything if I return it, right? Do I have time to rebook an event? How close is it to the event date, right? If the closer, obviously you get to the event date, it's harder for you to rebook. What are the ramifications on my reputation? So that's a big one that I hear from folks um, is that even if the contract is totally, you know, in the service providers, right, you know, that this is what it says, we agree that I'm not going to refund this. Is there a risk that they're going to go on to, I don't know, wedding wire or Yelp and write a bad review, right? What are those ramifications on my business? So you have to just take it on a case by case basis. I do think that don't be afraid to ask for what you want and to enforce your policies. Like don't let other people run your business and tell you how you should run it. But you know, if this is, if you're in this for the long haul, your reputation and um, that precedes you. So if there's not much of a risk to say, Hey, you know what? I'll go ahead. I'll refund it. There's nothing lost on my end. I can go ahead and rebook this. Not a problem. 
maybe you do it. Or maybe you're like, no, it's, it's such a personal decision. But I do think you have to weigh all these different things in your mind. You know, um, even if the law is on your side, sometimes you do have to you have to take steps that are going to you have to look at the long the, the like the long term ramifications as well. Yeah, maybe in this short term, you got a thousand dollars in your pocket. But what does that mean in terms of word of mouth advertising, any kind of bad publicity and things like that? Does that make sense? It totally does. Yeah, it totally yeah. does. And I think though, it's I think maybe that is uh, the initial thought that photographers have, and so they use that as the ju- justification or, or just whatever maybe uh, that uh, that they don't need a contract because they're just you know you know we're all good, it's all good. But it, I like that you know to give a gift, uh, but not an expectation, like or to have the expectation in place, but then to be able to give a gift out of it, and also then that gift will actually have value to be able to say you know actually it is an unrefundable thing, but I want to go ahead and I want to give that to you anyhow. I think has has greater value than it not ever being in place. Mm -hmm. And so much of working, what we do is when we work with clients, it's, I think sometimes the hardest thing because we're not dealing with widgets and products and manufacturing and assembly lines. There's so many nuances when you deal with people and the dynamics. And what I tell people is you got to start. That's like from the moment they send you an inquiry on your contact page, you need to be setting that expectation and creating that relationship with folks. Um, and hopefully if you have a solid relationship, even if there is some sort of issue like this where folks, you know, they need to cancel whatever you have an opportunity to say, you know, to create that understanding. And look, maybe I'm coming from, you know, a very naive kind of uh, idealistic situation. Um, I realize it's not always like that, but I do believe if you're investing in those relationships, if there is a conflict or a disagreement, hopefully you have built that kind of social equity with your client that you can come to some sort of resolution. So maybe in that situation, it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm supposed to keep this thousand dollars, but Hey, you know, I, had to turn around and buy these, this equipment for you, you know, so I I can maybe return only half of it or, you know, that thousand dollars I'll give you as a credit towards, I don't know, some other shoot, for example. So you can try and my point here is everything is negotiable, but you have to have, I think if you invest in building that social equity with your clients, that'll take you a long way. Podcast listeners, I apologize for interrupting the interview, but I just I have to give a shout out to two big supporters of the industry, two big supporters of the SFP podcast. And so I'm going to be brief here. The first is the Giphy booth. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, it is essentially a photo booth, but it is a modern, fresh, uh, new take on a photo booth. It makes animated GIFs and photographs. Now, here's the deal. I'm a working wedding photographer. I am not a photo booth owner. And I want you guys to understand this. This is perfect. If you are a photographer first, out shooting events, uh, portraiture, that type of thing, this booth is amazing because it requires so little work. Like I've I've had other photo booths. I still own another photo booth, but the Giphy booth is the thing that I love because I just get to set it up in under five minutes. It it's like a it's the size of like a laptop bag essentially. Um, it automates everything once you're done with an event. Uh, it's such an easy upsell. And one of the great things about it is because it takes so little overhead to actually run uh, an event that I essentially get to pass that savings on to my client. And so I can I can charge less for it, do more events and remain so much more stress-free. It also has like built-in marketing tools. You guys just need to check it out. It is called the Giphy Booth. Go check it out at giphy.com, G-I-F-Y. 
yyy.com, three Y's, G-I-F-Y-Y-Y.com. By the way, use the coupon code SFP2017 for some dope discounts. Maybe just mention my name, dude. You know, Ben Hartley, SFP2017 uh, is the code uh, to go check this thing out. I own one and I promise you I'm buying another this year as well. Next up on my thank you list is Freedom Edits. You guys, look, the end of the day, you can't grow your business if you are doing everything. It's just a, it's a fact that we all have to face. And to have somebody who's doing the bulk editing, by the way, when I say bulk editing, like I get to still, you get to still choose to edit the photographs that you want to edit, the beautiful portfolio shots, the stunning bridal portraits, whatever it is that you get excited about, please keep editing that. But all of the bulk stuff that slowly kills your soul please go check out Freedom Edits and have them take care of it because they're going to give you consistent results with personal touch. This is the thing. It's the personal touch. Like the intentional decisions that that uh, Freedom Edits, by the way, in-house editors, not like outsourced, in-house editors make, I freaking love because they're actually making intentional creative decisions and not just doing these like robotic choices where you get images back and you're like, why did they expose for that? They like Like any normal creative would have understood that there was an off-camera flash and and done this right. Freedom Edits will do it right, you guys. I freaking love them. Go check out Freedom Edits. By the way, uh, it's freedomedits.com forward slash Ben Hartley. That's where you need to go. Freedomedits.com forward slash Ben Hartley. They're going to give you the first full wedding free, you guys. Again, just mention my name, Ben Hartley. They're going to give you the first full wedding free. Like, Do you want to save a couple days this week? Then go do this right now. Freedomedits.com forward slash Ben Hartley. Hartley. All right, let's get back to the show. On this kind of thought, uh, in regards to contracts, I mean, I, I will probably head back to contracts as well because it does, especially for wedding photographers, it does tend to be like the biggest thing. Um, is there anything else though? Like before we keep going down this route, is there anything else that you uh, that you find yourself dealing with a lot or advising on uh, or that photographers have to have an, or should have in place to protect themselves apart from just like the 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 main contract that i don't know what to call it the, the contract oh so the, so there's um so yeah let's talk about that so there's the client service agreement so that's what governs that relationship when a client comes to you for your photography services so within that contract there are you know terms that you should be including in there right um, obviously things like your payment terms, you know, what are your deliverables? Um, what are you promising to give to that person? Um, by when, um, you know, you want to issue like, uh, address the issue of copyright. So who's going to own the copyright to the product or not the product, the photos or the videos or whatever content you're creating for them. Um, what does that look like? Uh, you know, any kind of release, that's another, that's a language, well, a release is something language that you can have in the contract with your client, or if you're, let's say you're doing, you know, like me, right? I was a jewelry designer. I hired photographers um, to put together a lookbook for me with models. You need to get releases from those models, right? That basically give you permission to utilize their images um, or the, their light, their likeness in your photos. And so, let's say you're going to put that in a portfolio. You need a, a release from there, from them. Um, so that could either be a separate document um, if you're not, it's not a client relationship. Um, or you put it in your client service agreement. Um, other things that I think a lot of people don't think about is, you know, we don't like conflict, right? We don't want to think about, well, what if the bad stuff happens? But it happens, you know, like we talked about clients have to cancel. Um, maybe there's a disagreement. Maybe they didn't, they 
I don't know, for some reason, they feel like you didn't capture the types of pictures we wanted, you know, at the event. Um, I mean, I've heard crazy stories. So what do you what happens in the in, in the event of a dispute? How are we going to resolve it? Um, what are the responsibilities if one person wants to terminate the contract? What what do we owe each other? So you want to think about, you know, I'm, I'm, I always say you want to um, expect the best, but plan for the worst. Right. So hopefully 99 times out of 100, you're never going to have to deal with these issues. But that one time that it might happen, you're going to be really happy that you have taken the time to think through what the process is going to be, what the plan of action is going to be. So, yeah. So it's a lot. Hopefully that wasn't too confusing, but. No, it's good. I think, but again, we need it. We absolutely need this. Hey, I've got a question for you. Yeah. I'm about about to throw a real question out there that, uh, that I just had come across my table. I had to fire a client. Uh, Uh, it was a bummer. Um, but just couldn't like, I won't get into all the details. Uh, but just, I could just see red flags and headaches abound. All we did was their engagement pictures. Um, and I just, this was going to get messier and messier the further things got anyhow so i had to let them go and say look uh i'm not gonna photograph your wedding yeah <laughs> that was a fun conversation yeah. um anyhow uh so th- that all being said um is there any do, do is there a recommendation for like an actual like uh apart from uh canceling the contract or avoiding the contract do you do you get a new contract that says like the wedding is officially canceled here's the contract that says it's canceled so, um, so it all depends on what your termination or cancellation clause says. Now, what I find in a lot of people's contracts is it always says how the client can terminate, but it doesn't say how the service pri- provider or the photographer in this case can terminate. So you want to make sure there's something in there that addresses, well, what if I want to terminate? What if I have this nightmare client? Or what if something happens to me and I can't be, you know, I can't come and shoot for the wedding, right? And I need to cancel, whatever your reasons are. So you always want to look to the, A, have that address in your contract and B, look at your contract and says what it, and follow what it says. So usually it'll say that, you know, a party has to give so many written days notice um, to the other party that, you know, this is going to be, you know, we're canceling the contract. So usually as long as you follow what your termination clause says, um, and so maybe by way of in writing, you send them a letter or something of that nature saying, you know, such and such, I'm I'm terminating such and such contract, you know, according to such and such paragraph. um, And you deliver that notice. um, It's usually sufficient. Are you now saying that they need to sign some sort of agreement, (laughs) agreeing that you also um, cancel the contract? Is that what you're asking me? I feel like I've heard that before. I feel like I've heard other people say like, well, you need to have them sign a termination agreement or something along those lines. I I don't know. I feel like I've heard that, but I don't know if that's a thing. It's really going to depend on um, what your contract says. So if all your contract requires is written notice sent to the client's address, let's say um, indicating that they have you know, that you're uh, terminating, then that's sufficient. Um, Obviously, if you want to have to cover your butt, um, if you want them to sign something in an acknowledgement, um, you know, that's an extra step you can take. Um, But again, it goes back to what your contract says. Yeah, got it. Love it. Um, Can I can I dig in on a couple like hot, like just like quick fire off questions and see what see what you got? I've got this feeling like you're gonna be like, depends what your contract says. Yeah, I know. (laughs) At the very least, at the very least, if there's a photographer out there listening, maybe it'll make them feel like 
Oh yeah, good. I'm not the only one who has that question. There's other people out yeah, there who are curious. And the, there's just a few. There's just a few. One yeah. of the ones that I've always been curious about is who signs the contract. That's yeah. Because like the bride and the groom, they come in and and they sign it, but then the checks come from mom and dad. And so what if or what if you do get that nightmare mom, right? Or oh, or the nightmare dad, and the the, yeah. the bride and groom are just lovely, beautiful people, and they're so sweet to you. But then somebody else has a has a problem. So what are what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a tricky one, and I think that's why. Um, <laughs> Again, there are. This isn't going to be rapid fire, Ben. <laughs> you are talking to a lawyer who likes to. I know. I lawyers know. Lawyers like to hear themselves talk all the time. So, um, just a kind of a side note. I think as you get more experience in running your business, you're going to start to develop a like a sixth sense. You could just see the nightmare folks like a mile away. You can spot them. So, what I encourage people to do is get start really paying attention. And once they start working with people, you know, maybe every after every project or after every event, do kind of a, a, a recap, like what worked, what didn't, what were the qualities, because you want to get really good at weeding out these problems even before you guys ever get to signing a contract. Right? It's like you just. You just want to know what questions to ask. Where are the red flags that are popping up? So you just avoid this altogether. But to answer your question, um, so when you enter into a contract with somebody, your obligations run to that person. So if you sign a contract with the bride, uh, the bride's parent, or let's say the couple's parents, for instance, um, they are technically your client. So what they say goes. So let's say your clients are like, I really want like this like street journalistic aesthetic, but the mom wants air, what I call airy fairy, like really bright and you know, airy. And but mom has signed the contract, then you gotta listen to what mom wants because she's technically your client. Um, so that can be a tricky situation. I think it's always best to, you know, enter into the contract with the the couple, um, because they are the ones who you're hoping to please. Um, and then, and then, you know, if you want to have some sort of clause in there, almost like a co-signing thing where, you know, um, the parents are then, um, if for some reason the bride and groom cannot pay, um, that the parent or the couple cannot pay the, um, parents agree to be, you know, financially responsible under the contract, but they have no other rights, for instance. Um, I will say that if you decide to have the couple sign the contract, make sure that you have both partners signing the contract and not just one or the other. Because um, what happens is if you have both of them, then you have two people to go after in the event that they don't pay um, uh, versus just one. So that's something to keep in mind. Got it. And their children and their dogs, any, <laughs> any pets they have, any descendants, we should have them sign as well. Pretty much. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, got it. <laughs> Nailed it. Good. Um, my clients are going to be like, what? I'm not hiring you. Yeah. Um, okay. So I've got, I've got a look. Maybe I'll just do one more then. So one more for you. <laughs> no rapid uh, fire here, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There's not nothing about this and that, uh, but I love it. I love it. Uh, some some things are worth slowing down for. Yeah. Um, so, Annette, this has happened on multiple occasions. And sometimes I run for the hills. And, and I just am curious what to do in the situation when you get the client who's like, I'd love to hire you, um, but I've gone ahead and I've made some changes to the contract. You'll see them here. 
And then it's just like, you know, riddled with red pen or they or they're, you know, they're super wealthy and they have their own, you know, family lawyer look at it. And so it comes back from another lawyer, which is we've run into that a couple of times where like they send it to the family lawyer uh, who returns it with all kinds of things. So what do you do in that situation when somebody starts marking up your contract and, and asking for all kinds of changes? That is such a great question. And it's one I was actually thinking about that this morning as a potential podcast episode, because okay, nice. it's one that I get so many times. Um, I joke, first of all, don't have lawyers as clients because they will mark up your contract. <laughs> I'm just joking. We just can't help ourselves. Um, but uh, so if you ever have a lawyer as a client, just know they will always mark it up and doesn't mean your contract is bad. It's just in our nature. But um, I would, what I would do is I would take a look at their changes. If you don't understand them, talk to your own lawyer or someone with a legal background who can advise you and see what is, what are, what is the scope of the changes, right? Is this really going to give, um, is this, am I going to incur a lot of risk here? Right. Um, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's really, they're kind of minor changes that they're really not going to impact, you know, um, your, the, the level of risk you're incurring. Um, it's not going to impact the way in which you're running your business. And so I would just wait again, wait and say like, do I really want this work? Um, it could be seen as a red flag for some people. Like, whoa, this is a really, this is going to be a really high maintenance client. You know, I don't even want to deal with this. Right. So that might be for your business and in your experience, like a red flag that I can't, I can't even work with someone like this. Um, but I would take a look. I wouldn't, don't get afraid and <laughs> just look and see, can I, is there, is there here? Is this, is, what do I need to give up in order to make this client happy? If it's not a lot, go for it. But there are certain terms. If you feel that, or you take a look and some of the terms are shifting the risk level onto you. Um, I would maybe go back to them and say, listen, I can't incur this risk. I'm a, you know, I'm a small business owner. I can't agree to these terms. Um, and that's something you're going to have to balance. If I always say also, if they are, um, almost telling you how to run your business, you know, like let's say you require a 50%, you know, initial payment and a 50%, you know, right before the event. Right. And they're all like, well, I'm not going to pay you until after the event. Well, that's probably not working for you. That's not how you run your business. That to me is personally, I wouldn't agree to that. Right. Cause that's, you're telling me how to run my business. I'm not going to accommodate you, but maybe this is like Oprah, you know, and you're like, okay, Oprah, whatever <laughs> you want. With me, yeah. Oprah. Do as right. you will. <laughs> right. So it's again, it's like I not I hate to say like it depends, but it's it's all as a business owner, your job is to assess risk, right? And you have to know what works for you. You have to know what the law is. And then you as a business owner have to determine, well, how much risk am I willing to take? Um, you know, and just know I think a lot of people, because they're so intimidated by contracts and law or like business terms, sometimes like accounting and taxes and fine. Like they, they don't, they don't feel like they have a good handle on, they get intimidated. So they feel like they have to give in or give up. Um, I think it's important for you to realize everything is negotiable. Everything can be negotiated. And just because somebody comes back and says, Oh, I want this term in there and it doesn't work for you. You can be like, listen, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't make that revision. You know, maybe I can give in this much or I can make this change. Um, and then hopefully you can reach it kind of a, a mutually, like I said, a mutually agree, agreeable solution. Um, but I guess the lesson out of here is always ask yourself, what is the level of risk that I'm incurring? Um, and, you know, is this, 
if it's, if it's, you know, impacting my business, if they're, you know, kind of trying to push me over and tell me how to run my business, you know, that those are the things you need to kind of consider, um, before you agree or disagree with a change they're making. Is that making sense? And sometimes it's great because they actually, the lawyer will like clean up your contract for you. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say like, this is what's happened to me. I've had a couple people who've like, they've made some amazing revisions for me. I was like, thank you. Like you have some great stuff here. Um, and, uh, and it worked out really well. Yeah. And I've had other situations where it was, it was not that. <laughs> was yeah. Not- I think that it's also, you know, if you don't understand something, don't sign it. You're right. Like go talk to somebody, you know, nowadays you can, there's so many resources available. Go find out what does this really mean? You know, um, does this mean that I have to indemnify somebody in the case, you know, something goes wrong. I'm personally liable for all of whatever these damages. Well, that might be a lot for you as a small business owner. Um, and so I think that's what happens too. Is people are so they're, they're trying to avoid this like uncomfortable topic. So they just like kind of bend over backwards and just accept everything. Um, so, um, you just know that you don't have to do that, but it's your responsibility as a business owner to know what those things are. Awesome. I love it. And that this is, uh, look, we could like, I just want to keep taking all of your time right now and just keep asking <laughs> you all these questions. Um, but then I would, I would, uh, I would owe you money. Um, <laughs> so we're gonna- I'm sending you a bill after this, Ben. <laughs> I know you are. Uh, I will distribute it evenly to all the listeners. Um, I'm just kidding. I know this is so rad though. This is great. And I think it'd be really cool. Um, we have the, the six figure photography mastermind group, um, to, to have you drop in there. And, uh, there's so many questions about this kind of stuff. There's so many photographers who are looking for for contracts or even just to sit down and have a quick, you know, uh, an hour conversation because a nightmare client happens or a situation happens. And so, um, we'd love to get you in the group and, 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 uh, uh, talking with the community a little bit. Um, where can people find you though? Like if they're not going to find you there, where can they go directly to your website, figure out what you're all about, find your contracts, find all your goods. Oh my goodies. Yeah. You can find me. We'll have two website addresses and they all go to the same place. So your legal or if you're courageous enough to learn how to spell my name, it's annettestepanian.com. And on the website, you can find out how we can work together one-on-one. I've got uh, contract templates. I've got trainings. Uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of webinars specifically for photographers. So get on the mailing list so you don't you make sure that you don't miss out on those. And then I'll, obviously, I have the podcast. It's the Office Talk podcast. And you can find all that good stuff on that website. So yourlegalbff.com. I love it. And that this has been fantastic. Um, look, I, the thing that I, I have to say, and I've appreciated this whole conversation is yes, they, they may be relatively winded answers, but they're, but you make it so easy at the same time. Like, I just like that you're, um, you're Annette and you're just hanging out with me. And so <laughs> I feel like I have a better understanding of things already. Um, and I've already started listening. out like, what do I need to revisit, uh, for 2018 and make sure is, is buttoned up. Yeah. Uh, and so this has been, um, yeah, this has been really helpful for that. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. And thank you for having me and being such a fun and gracious host. Yeah, Annette, we'll talk soon, dear. Thanks. Thanks. You guys, we cannot get enough legal counsel. I think as creatives, as solopreneurs, it's probably our Achilles heel. And so I'm so grateful for people like Annette. You guys, please protect yourself. Please do, please do your research and rely on other professionals in this area. I hope that this episode has been helpful for you guys. Look, I, I want to end today's episode by just uh, doing one quick thing. I just need to give you guys a complete 
outpouring of gratitude. Like the amount of of uh, DMs that I've received uh, at Instagram, right? The amount of comments I have seen come through on YouTube, the reviews that you guys have left me. Look, like even the emails in the inbox, I just need you guys to know that I see this stuff. Like, and this is what keeps moving forward. Like this is what keeps me doing this stuff. The reason I started this podcast is to grow, to grow your business, to continue to help uh, even push me to grow mine. Like you've got to understand the more that I step out and, and I, we bring on these guests and we try to give, 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 like the better um, we get at our studio, the better that I get as a human. And I love this. And I just, I just needed to say thank you guys. Like really um, for every single time uh, that you voice uh, your gratitude for every single time you, you give me an idea or inspiration. Um, it, it really does make a difference. And so you guys, I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for your attention. Thank you for your time. I hope that I can continue to repay it and keep pushing forward. We'll see you in the next episode of the SFP podcast. 